Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. So I'm I'm here with uh with Nova. I don't know if you can see here for those who are watching. I got a dog here. Um, I'm trying it's to incorporate. It's camouflaged. We can barely barely see. Yes, she she's a great she's a black dog. Oh, there she's a. There's a little bit of brown if you look really really closely. You probably can't pick it up on screen, but there's actually a bit of brown in her. But she's 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 dark and it's a great couch. Hopefully she will just stay chill and not disturb us uh, during the show. <laughs> I think this is a cheap ploy for you to get uh, sympathy support from the fan base, from the DMZ army. Uh, and no matter what they say, Bill, you are not giving Nova away. <laughs> the girls love her. The and girls do care. love her. Do what you need to do to me. I can take the slings and arrows. <laughs> I, I have no idea what is the ratio of a dog to non-dog person in the DMZ fan base. I'm not a dog person. I, I just have a dog. And that, that and spend much of my time with this dog, even though I'm not particularly a dog person. I think we're probably mostly dog, mostly dog people. You know, you yes. know some of dogs, Matt? They eat their own puke. They literally yes. they'll eat their entire if 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 she pukes in her crate, she, I, I don't have to clean it up. She cleans it up. Self cleaning. That's 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 a feature, not a bug, right? I mean, come on. Let's face it. Dogs are gross. Aren't you gross? Yes, dogs are gross. Yes. I just are. saw you kissing her <laughs> on the mouth earlier. My daughter will little flat out like go right into it, just like full on. <laughs> oh well, she hasn't seen what you see. Apparently. <laughs> um. So, you know, Matt, I don't know if you saw uh, on the Facebooks, I had a very exciting historical weekend. I saw, uh, it looked like, I, fr I remember I commented, get a job hippie was my comment. Yeah, I don't, what, I, don't know, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> well, you were talking about, it was it was you like taking free books from the local library or something. No, 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 so, so I went to... First, to Hyde Park. It was with my, my wife and I had a getaway weekend. Went to Hyde Park, where the FDR Library uh, and Museum is. Um, and that's about two and a half hours away from us. This is up, all upstate New York. And uh, about an hour or so from Hyde Park is Kinderhook, where the Martin Van Buren Historical Site is. Uh, and so we did, we did FDR on Saturday. Stayed over in Kingston overnight, which is in between. Uh, and then the Kinderhook on, on Sunday. And so on the way from Kingston to Kinderhook, and this is pretty rural upstate New York, um, on the side of the road, it was called uh, Little Red Shack Books. Uh, and so we pull over and we get there. And we're like, who's who's here? Like, who, who runs this place? Then we start to realize it is a self-serve 24-7 bookstore um, with several sheds of books and you literally will go into a shed and they'll say there's a sign turn on the light if the light's not on um, if it's if it's too hot you can turn on the AC and there's just a little um, you know mailbox with a slot to, to put the money in and it's all honor system uh, and hard covers hard covers were a buck and Matt, this this is like this is like Mayberry. This is Andy Griffith. 
This is this is still capitalism, Matt. <laughs> it's not. I, I it's only not... I only approve if they're using it as a device to make money. Like if this <laughs> if this communal thing is just a, a gimmick so that someone can get rich. But I don't think at a dollar a book that's going to happen. You know, I, I mean, the, the little libraries. I don't know if where you are in. Uh, you know, you you you're you're living the hippie life in uh, uh, Harper's Ferry. If you had the little libraries that people have, where you give a book, take yeah, a book, leave got, a book. We got those, yeah. Yeah. So, so don't don't you can't lure this over me. You're living in a socialist commune where you are. I don't. Uh, I don't take those books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust do, those books. Do you take them but not give? No. Here's what I like to do: is go to a Barnes and Noble and sit for three or four hours and just read their book and then leave. <laughs> So you're 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 a leech on society. <laughs> but I'll drink their lattes, you know. Anyway, um, so but this was not only a bookstore. This had like a huge trove uh, of historical books. This is and Tyler too is the 1963 biography of John Tyler and uh, the woman he married while in the White House, Julia Gardner Tyler, who was one of the for the first you know, celebrity first ladies. Uh, the whole bunch of Woodrow Wilson. Uh, this is from his doctor, uh, Rear Admiral Cary Grayson, intimate memoir, a biography from his um, uh, Naval Secretary Josephus uh, Daniels, Life of Woodrow Wilson, uh, and uh, The Ordeal of Woodrow Wilson by Herbert Hoover, uh, one, of Hoover's, wow. one of Hoover's last books. I mean, he had a huge um, bibliography, Hoover. Um, he had a book about fishing right before he died. Uh, this was written in the late fifties. Um, you know, I'm an Edward Satinius, you know, fanboy. Uh, this is still waiting for episode two of the podcast. By the way, yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this, this, this is the book that Satinius wrote uh, after he left the uh, the Truman administration. Roosevelt and the Russians: His Defense of the Alta Conference. Um, this and- feels like the most Bill Share birthday trip that's what I'm saying, ever. That's what I'm saying. Uh, a bio of Florence Harding. Uh, this guy, Carl, uh, so Faraza Anthony is like a first lady expert. So he's done several first lady bios. Um, and at the FDR library and museum, they have a wall of used books there. Um, I mean, a lot of them are FDR centric, uh, but not all of them. Did, did you got, see, did you see any, uh, uh, David Petruja. Yes. His, memorabilia. His, they, they have lots of his new book there. Uh, and they also have 1920 there. Nice. Okay. So he's represented. Because I know he was there a couple weeks ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is uh, my 30 years backstairs in the White House. This was a woman who was a uh, domestic help in the White House, uh, as was her mother. Uh so I think there's some FDR in here, but there's also Coolidge in here, which of course, you know, I need to I need to expand my Coolidge library. Um, and this is not uh, at the roadside, but I got this downtown. Uh, the new Grover Cleveland biography, uh, Man of Iron, um, which is uh, which disputes the charges in this book. This book claims that Grover Cleveland uh, was a rapist. And has the app and publishes the affidavit from the woman who charged him of rape. Uh, this guy claims that she recanted that affidavit and she didn't really mean it when she signed it. So uh, I 
I can't adjudicate between the two just yet. But uh, yeah. now, will you actually read all of these books? I mean, a lot of these I'm not going to be able to read cover to cover. They're, they're, they're nice to have around for reference purposes. Um, I, mean, I probably won't read, you know, all the Wilson books cover to cover. Um, but uh, I would like to get around to this Tyler book, I got to say, because there's not a lot of Tyler bios in the universe. Uh, and I'm going to read the, the Square of Cleveland's not going to be too long. Um, so if I, you know, I'm still in, um, you know, my presidential book club at the Coolidge uh, Library Museum that I run. Not the, not the museum, I run the book club. Uh, uh, we're on LBJ, so we're kind of getting in the home stretch there. But if, if we went back around again, you know, I might want to put the Cleveland book you know, in the mix because there's not a lot of Cleveland options out there. How many books? I am constantly, since I have this podcast, I'm constantly getting an influx of books. I mean, I bet you I get an average of at least five books a week just mailed to me by publishers. And so you accumulate a lot of books and some of them you read and save and some of them I get I have to get rid of because I just don't have enough room in my house. Mm. Do you keep all these books? Well, I mean, stuff I, I mean the stuff that's been mailed to me, I'm not I'm not I'm kind of off the the mail list these days. There were times I was getting I was on the mail list. A lot of those books I don't keep. Um, but the books that I buy are the ones I yeah. keep. But you must have then, you know. I have a lot of bookshelves and I can't keep all my books on I'm, bookshelves. I'm, I, have you to... know, I, I, I had an office downtown that I couldn't maintain. So I actually had, to, I, I left that office and I was keeping a lot of books there. And now, now I got books and boxes. I don't, I don't have a yeah. good, I don't have a big enough house to go to the real library that I can yeah. know, keep, that I can show off That's all the books. That's a good point. I still miss my daily caller office. I used to have, that was a place where I could put stuff. Yeah, pictures, all sorts of things like that. Knickknacks. I do. I do have over here. I, I have one bookshelf. This is like strictly, this is strictly bios, strictly presidential bios. So it's not, it's not all the books that I own, but I do have everyone, you know, chronologically uh, there. Those like the, those like the main ones. I felt like you could look at that shelf and be like, you read every book on that bookcase, you would. You would know American history. You know? I'm not exaggerating when I say I, I may have given away thousands of books over <laughs> the years. You know, it, 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 it may be approaching that number. Because, I have, you're, because you, sir, are a hippie socialist <laughs> who is just who doesn't believe in commerce, doesn't believe in making money. Some yeah. some someone sent you a book for free, and then you gave it to someone else for free. <laughs> and I'm cutting out the author. For ruining America. Um, Bill, what was it? You had a book there. It was a doctor, uh, Wilson's doctor. Right. Cause you know, obviously very controversial cause he got a stroke. Um, right. In, uh, 19, which leads me to a segue. Oh, we're, we're segging. Um, well, I hate to move away, but there is a segue. John yeah. Fetterman. Did you see the NBC news report? I saw the, that? I saw the, I saw the nightly news report yesterday. I understand the they're going to post the full interview either they have already or later today. Okay. Um, and uh, a lot of people on the Democratic side of Twitter were, were yelling at the reporter because she made a comment in the intro to the, to the interview clips that he couldn't understand her without, or she wasn't sure she was, he was understanding her when there wasn't the closed captioning system 
that he was using during the interview, which they which they talked about and they showed. Yeah. Um, uh, and he and he say openly, like I have a hard time with the auditory processing, so I need to have I need to be able to see and read your question, so I know what you're what you're asking me. Uh, and some people were saying, you know, that that she that there's no reason to assume he, he couldn't understand anything. Uh, Kara Swisher said, I, I did a podcast with him and he understood, we had small talk beforehand. He understood me. Well, no, but, but there um, is, I just saw on Twitter a clip and it may be a longer clip than they shared yesterday, but a, a mm-hmm. clip of it where he clearly, uh, didn't quite understand something or he was mis mispronouncing a word and, and struggling a little bit. It wasn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And my take is, I think that what NBC did is good and healthy, mm-hmm. that this is the voters have a right to know. I think if it was a Republican, this would certainly be an issue. Um, I think it's totally fair to have it out there. We ought to know. But I don't think it would stop me. If I wanted to vote for John Fetterman, I don't think this would stop me for, from voting for him. No, I, 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 I don't think it was wrong for the reporter to share her impression. Uh, and I don't think it doesn't negate, like, say, Kara Swisher can say, we never have a problem with me. Well, maybe he didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think he can't hear anything. <laughs> you know, he's saying that it's kind of spotty. So it's possible he could have an experience with one person is different than the experience with another, another reporter. Um, and, and he's already being open about that. Obviously, you can criticize him. He's not releasing the full records, but he is saying, yes, I have auditory issues. Yes, I want closed captioning. Yes, I'm going to show you how it works as we do the interview. Um, well, if and- a candidate were, I mean, if the only problem is he needs to read something instead of hearing it, then the next question would be, what if a candidate was deaf? Would they be disqualified or would they right. find well, some accommodation? Exactly. And I think we as a society have come a long way, I mean, both because of technology and because of law and because of societal evolution. You know, we're assimilating people with disabilities. We're not saying you have to be shunted off to the side and live in a separate universe in a separate building uh, and not be part of the day-to-day of society anymore. Uh, so to say Fetterman, I mean, there's, there's, there's really two questions here. One, do you have, you know, some hearing issues and some speech issues that can be managed through modern technology? Uh, or do you have brain damage that makes you unable to comprehend the issues that you have to deal with on your in, in, in a job in public service? Uh, and he's basically trying to show, I understand what's going on around me. I'm not, I, I don't have dementia. Uh, I, I, I know, uh, uh, I know the issues that are at play and I have my thoughts about them and they, those haven't changed in any way. Um, uh, the, and you're trying to get from some Republicans trying to suggest, well, if he's stumbling over a sentence, that means He's not understanding and is not up to the task of this kind of strenuous job. Um, and I think the NBC report would suggest he is comprehending the issues. You don't get that sense he doesn't comprehend what's going on. You, you see him stumble over the word empathetic, but he's acknowledging his, I mean, he's, he's aware yeah. he's stumbling over the word. So the, the self-awareness undercuts the notion that he doesn't understand what's going on around him.
Yeah, look, I, I think it's good that NBC did this. I think the public has a right to know. And I think Fetterman passed the test, as far as I'm concerned, based on the report that I saw. Maybe more will come out. If I wanted to vote for John Fetterman, this would not be a disqualifier, in my opinion, if I already wanted to vote for him. Uh, so I think probably this was a smart move for him. Again, with the caveat, maybe something else will come out. But as of now, I think that this actually um, probably is enough for voters. And, and maybe we maybe then he gets to move on uh, or at least try to. Well, he does have to get through the debate. They are going to do a debate on October 25th. Uh, I just saw that it's going to be a 60-minute debate, not a 90-minute. Oz was pushing for a longer debate, and apparently he uh, surrendered that argument. Uh, but 60 minutes is still a pretty long time to have a debate. Uh, and, you know, with, with no... If, debate, uh, if debates were just 60 minutes long then I think that uh, Rick Perry might be the president right now. <laughs> so he is going to have to, I would I mean, I, I can't know what the questions are going to be, but I would assume there's going to be substantive policy stuff. Uh, questions that it might be hard to just lean on a handful of canned talking points. Um, and his ability to... Uh, articulate his view in a way that the public understands where he's coming from. You know that that that's the that's a steeper challenge than a TV interview. So I agree that he passed this test. I don't think he's passed all the tests. Just that that's yeah. going to be the biggest one. Well, and I mean, if if, if you're making um, if if you're looking for some conspiracy, then you know the problem with October 25th. I don't know Pennsylvania, but in a lot of states, a lot of people have already voted by October 25th. Uh, I don't know about early voting and mail-in voting in Pennsylvania. No, I, I, I think I think they are starting early voting now, I, I believe. Um, so, you know, maybe but, if, but that would be another obvious problem, right? Is, is what if he does expose himself to be not up for the job on an October 25th? It's too late for a lot of people who will have voted at that point. Well, I'm guessing that not a lot of swing voters, not a lot of on-the-fence voters are going to rush out and <laughs> cast their ballot for October 25th. The votes veteran gets are going to be the diehards that weren't going to be faced by no matter no matter what he does at this point. So those who are really like, gee, I don't know, this Oz guy is from New Jersey and he sells these yeah. quack medicines. I don't know, when, but but Fetterman, yeah, I, I, is he really up to the job? That person is probably waiting for the debate or Did just you... isn't necessarily going to rush out and vote to the last minute. Bill, I want you. You may need to cover uh, your dog's ears, but did you see there? There was an ad. There was some ad about Doctor Oz experimenting yeah. on dogs or something. I mean, this takes me back. This is way worse than putting a dog on the roof of your car. If it's true, people love dogs. Other people, I know you. You don't. You don't care for dogs, but other people. I, I really don't want to love. mass murder. I don't want to mass murder dogs. Well, you know. <laughs> Mistakes were made, but what do you know anything about this? So there was a there was a story, and of all places, Jezebel, um, which is not normally a breaking news site, um, and this ran uh, a week ago. The headline is "Doctor Oz's scientific experiments killed over three hundred dogs, entire litter litter of puppies." Um, 
And the lead is, uh, in a scandal that will surely make Mitt Romney, who famously strapped his family dog atop the roof of his car for a road trip, look like a PETA activist. A review of 75 studies published by Mehmet Oz between 1989 and 2010 reveals the Republican Senate candidate's research killed over 300 dogs and inflicted significant suffering on them and the other animals used in experiments. Oz, the New Jersey resident who's currently running for U.S. Senate from Pennsylvania, was a quote-unquote principal investigator of the Columbia University Institute of Comparative Medicine Labs for years and assumed, quote, full scientific, administrative, and fiscal responsibility for the conduct, unquote, of his studies. Over the course of 75 studies published in the academic journals reviewed by Jezebel, Oz's team conducted experiments on at least 1,027 live animal subjects that include dogs, pigs, calves, rabbits, and small rodents. 34 of these experiments resulted in the deaths of at least 329 dogs, while two of his experiments killed 31 pigs, and 30 experiments killed 661 rabbits and rodents. Um, in the early 2000s, testimony from a whistleblower and veterinarian named Catherine Del Ordo about Oz's research detailed extensive suffering inflicted on his team's canine test subjects, including multiple violations of the Animal Welfare Act, which sets minimum standards of care for dogs and other animals in possession of animal dealers and laboratories, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'd so, like to know, obviously this sounds very troubling, um, both ethically and politically. I'd like to know, I mean, if Dr. Oz did this and cured cancer, then <laughs> maybe we could say the ends justify the means. I, I wonder, was this just for fun or was there some larger... Well, I mean, look, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a pediatric activist. I'm not opposed to animal testing um, for scientific uh, discovery. Um, uh, but apparently there are laws that there are, there are minimum standards. So it says here, May 2004, Columbia University was ordered by the USDA to pay a $2,000 penalty for violation of the Animal Welfare Act. The fine paid by Columbia was a result of a settlement. Um the USDA accepted these findings, but according to uh, Del Ordo, who was the whistleblower, the review was faulty and, quote, had investigators in the committee that were also complicit in this type of poorly designed, cruel animal experimentation. So when I, when I first saw this, kind of like Jezebel, it's not the New York Times. Uh, maybe maybe I'm not getting the full story from this. Maybe there's a, there, there's a status I want to hear from, from Dr. Oz's campaign. Uh, and Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe the Oscar has commented on this in any way. I don't think they've tried to debunk it. I don't think they've tried to elaborate on it. Well, and now, um, I mean, there's a TV ad now running about this. Um, this right. Has been um, so I, until I hear another side of the story, I, I, I'm left with accepting yeah. the charges. And I mean, again, from a political standpoint, you know, it's like if you had to invent like, if you were thinking like, oh, he paid for an abortion, he, that's it. He paid, <laughs> no, 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 no one will believe that. that would really piss people off. He experimented on puppies. <laughs> that's what we'll go with. I mean, it's I mean, like, if it's just like rabbits and rodents, like that's actually, I think, particularly rodents are very accepted as animal test yeah. subjects. You know, because obviously, unless you're a hardcore animal rights activist. You know, dogs, like dogs definitely like, like raises the, you know, hits yeah. people's uh, nerves a lot stronger because there's so many dog people in the universe. Um, so, 
you could see why you, even if there was another side of the story that Oz might not want to get into it because it's still <laughs> valid. We, we only killed some of those dogs. A, a lot of them, a lot of them loved it. Um, no, yeah, there's, there's no good. There's really no good comeback. Is there uh, to that? It, no, it was kittens. Um, yeah. But if you were, but seriously, like if you, if you were looking for like the uh, platonic ideal, like attack ad, you know, Torturing puppies has got to be, if we're just, you know, spitballing ideas for what, for like the worst thing that could, you could be guilty of, like that, mm -hmm. that would be, you know, that's on the list. So are you at this point, man, I know that I keep reading, I keep seeing it. It's become like a standard line in any Pennsylvania Senate race story that the race is tightening. and. I myself don't really, I mean, that's, that, that's nominally true because Oz has, uh, you know, consolidated more of the Republican base. Um, I'm trying to find the latest uh, average here, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the last I saw, okay, here, here it is for those who can uh, see the screen. Um, you can see both Fetterman and Oz are going ticking downward in yeah. the nuclear politics average, but kind oh, of at the same possible. same rate. It's I, I I'm not aware of a race where you get more undecideds as the race goes along. <laughs> Usually, that starts to the, the, the both things go up as you get closer because people are making their final decision. Um, so you do see Fetterman his he was peaking at above forty nine in late September. Now he's at 46, but at the same time, Oz went from 45 to uh, close to 42. Um, so like there is, so there's a, a little bit of altitude loss on Fetterman, but not ground being gained uh, by Oz and Oz's fave on fave is still absolutely abysmal. So uh, I say to call this tightening seems to be a little, it, it, it doesn't quite illuminate what's going on here. Um, you still see a fairly steady lead on the part of Fetterman. Um, but, but I'm curious if you think that either the issues with the stroke are making this more of a race or the crime attack ads. You know, Oz is trying to hit Fetterman very hard for being soft on crime. Do you think that is actually leaving a mark and making this? more of a toss-up? I think so, actually. I think crime crime does resonate. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think um, I think it's going to naturally tighten. And I also, you know, I think there may be a shy Oz vote. You know, Republicans can, might be under, undercounted here uh, in the in the surveys. So you think, uh, you think four and a half points worth of shy Oz? I don't know about that, but I think, I feel like it's a close race just anecdotally without any data to, to back up my point. Where, where, um, where's mom? Well, and I just had lunch with her yesterday. We didn't talk politics. Um, but the last time I asked her about it, she was definitely not voting for the Republican running for governor. Um, and was leaning, I would say, leaning Fetterman for Senate. 
we 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 need also i think there was a possibility of 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 skipping the senate and just voting governor well we need a mom report at least after the debate (laughs) well i'll show you uh uh so it was my mom and three of her sisters since you held up a picture i will attempt to do so too uh i don't know if if the if it'll if it'll show um you can see my ring light (laughs) <laughs> probably belting <laughs> off of it. So, uh, nice lunch yesterday. My mom had, uh, there were seven girls in the family and, and four of them were at lunch yesterday. So that was nice. Very nice. Um, so, but you still give the, the, the edge to Federman at this point? I would. Yeah, or, I think or, I would, you- but I'm not, but I, I feel like it's, it's tight. And I think, um, I think it seems like all these races are pretty tight. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Fetterman probably wins, but then there's like the Herschel Walker Warnock race is, is tight. Well, um, let's, get, let's, get, let's get less tight. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a lot of them are close. Like Wisconsin is close. Um, but just, to, I mean, to really boil it down, I mean, if you take, if, if you assume no flips, in most of the races. If you assume no flips in Wisconsin, Ohio, North Carolina, Arizona, uh, which either have, you know, healthy leads. The incumbents in each of those seats would hold on. Or the incumbent party. Or the incumbent party in the case of open seats. Um, uh, in the races that are, there's two, I think, real genuine toss-ups, Nevada and Georgia, and you have better than you have Pennsylvania, which is a prime for a flip, but maybe not in the bag. You know, Republicans need two of three. Okay. So I think Laxalt wins in Nevada. Um, what was the other one? Georgia and Pennsylvania. Okay. I think... If I have to bet, I guess I say Warnock wins Georgia, and then it comes down to Pennsylvania, right? Right. So I mean, I, I would argue that Fetterman and Warnock have the edge in both those places, and without either of those, Republicans can't take the Senate. There's no other obvious pickup opportunity for them. Well, I think it was it last week or two weeks ago. I did make my predictions, and I and I said that I thought Republicans uh, would take the Senate. I think I said that, right? I predicted that. You may have. I think you may have. That was before the abortion story in Georgia. That's true. Okay. So I have an out. I have an escape hatch. Okay. So we'll, you know, we'll have to do our our famous predict. We're going to have to do our predictions right before the midterms where we you remember in 2016 we did uh, the 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 red and blue maps when we shared them on, on right, the show. Right, right. So we should just go ahead and definitely with all the Senate seats, I think we can can be expected to to make our our definitive picks, and uh, maybe we'll make it a little interesting, Bill. I'm not saying now. But- do you have any reason to believe that Walker uh, is that this is not going to affect the Walker campaign at the end of the day? You know, it makes progressive Twitter, you know, lose their minds. A lot of media huffing and puffing. By the end of the day, the Republican base is going to stick with them. And therefore, it's not going to it's not going to matter. 
Well, I think that's all true, but I guess, you know, are there enough uh, suburban voters? in? I would think that there probably are a lot of suburban voters in, in Georgia, um, soccer moms, soccer dads, security moms, whatever, whatever, whatever we call them. And um, this probably, if, if you're sort of a Mitt Romney voter, however many of them are left, then I would think that you know, paying for an abortion is probably not uh, not helpful for Herschel Walker. Well, yeah, you know, what, most of the poll data we have still is before the abortion news. But right now, real clear politics, Warnock is at, has a four point lead. It's a little exaggerated because there's this one 12 point lead poll that came out. That's a clear outlier poll. But if I if I take that one out. You're still talking two, three point lead, and that's largely data before the news. So Walker needs to make up ground unless you think the polls are just off completely. Uh, and I don't think he's gained ground <laughs> because of the development. He needs swing voters exist. There's clearly a Kemp Warnock vote out there that Walker needs to reverse uh, and, and eat into. Uh, and I, I I would not think he's done anything to help himself uh, in the past week. Well, uh, we should probably talk about debates, Bill. You mentioned the uh, the Fetterman Oz debate, October twenty fifth. Just one debate, just sixty minutes. Um, I think Georgia's but, Friday. Oh, and how do you know how many they're having? Don't know off the top of my head how many they're having. But this will be obviously interesting, right? I mean, Herschel Walker. Yeah. Um, how how will he do? But if the expectations are low, so he's helped I mean, set low. Let me ask you. I, I mean, have you have you heard Herschel Walker speak? Herschel Walker's not had a stroke. <laughs> and yet, no, but he has had lots of you know head trauma. I'm sure. As as Newt Gingrich, did you see Newt Gingrich in defending Herschel Walker right. invoked the number of concussions he's had as a as an excuse? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't see how is it a selling point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, but Herschel Walker the other day, Bill, there was a video of him where he goes. Uh, did you see this clip? This video clip where he's talking saw... about he's talking about how if you're a bull in a farm, you know you're fenced yes. in, and you see these other cows that you want to have sex with, <laughs> and it's whole it's about the grass is always greener on the other side. <laughs> you're fenced in. You're in a nice area. You're the only bull there. I mean, you've got other cows, but you know, but you'll want different. And so you try to go into a different field. And I'm like, is this really the story you want to be telling when you know when you've uh, admitted to you know being the father of 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 multiple illegitimate children? Is this the story you want that you want? This is not a question about. You chose to tell this particular story. seemed seemed like an interesting I mean, choice to me. I mean, this is why I'm not betting on Walker being like the comeback kid. Like some some uh, some politicians, you say, "Hey, you know, he took a tough blow there," but I've seen this guy on the stump. You know, he's got he's got more you know arrows in his quiver. So that guy brings it on game day. You know, Walker's not the guy I'm betting on to pull that out. He does have a charisma. You've got to give him that. I mean, he does has a he? certain star power. Does he? I oh, don't yeah. Know if that's true. 
I mean, he has a reputation as a as an athlete, but like when I see him talk, like if I if I didn't know he was a football player, I don't I don't see natural charisma there. I see a guy who's constantly meandering and garbled and inarticulate. Well, those two things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. I, mm-hmm. I will agree he is not Demosthenes or or whatever, uh, but I find him likable, even though I'm sure he's done some some very sketchy things. So there's that um, debate. There's the Nevada and in, in in not Nevada in Arizona in the Arizona gubernatorial race. Uh, uh, you've got. Carrie Lake showing up at a forum, sort of like Mr. T and Rocky Three. You remember that? Rocky's <laughs> yeah. gonna retire. Mr. T shows up. Hey woman. Hey woman. You know, <laughs> why are you ducking me? Um, and uh, and I think that's basically what Carrie Lake's move, saying, you know, showing up, you're ducking me, you're trying to, you know, you don't want to give me a chance. And um, I don't know, how did that do you have a sense of how did that work? It's it's obviously it's not going to um it's not going to persuade the Democrat to cave in and say, okay, you got me, let's have a debate. But I wonder if it actually, does it highlight the fact that the Democrat appears to be scared of debating? Well, I do think this is one of the big questions of this election. It's like I, I haven't written about it yet, but I do plan to write a larger piece about this. You know, so Katie Hobbs, the Democrat, has said flat out, I am not going to debate Carrie Lake. I'm not going to share a stage with her. I'm not going to debate a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to contribute to the spectacle. Uh, I'll do forums. I'll do a forum where you ask me questions and then she follows me and you ask her questions. She did Face the Nation uh, on uh, Sunday and Carrie Lake went first and Katie Hobbs went second. Um, because I'm not going to do a debate with her. Uh, and I, I haven't gone back in history all the way. I'm not sure how far I can do, but I know. I did in 2020. Every governor's race had a debate. Uh, in 2018, at least in Nevada, they I don't think they did, but it wasn't because one party said I'm not going to do it. They were both playing this game. Well, I'll do this one. Oh, but I'll do this one. Oh, you don't want to really do it. No, you don't really want to do it. It's like no one was like, taking ownership of pulling the plug on it. Um, so that, I, I think this is very unusual. So if you know of another example, please share with me because I would I would, it would help me with my piece. Um, I'm not aware of a case where in a governor's race, someone said, I'm just not going to do it. And maybe like someone was like ahead by 40 points, you know, and didn't yeah. think they had to bother. Maybe there's a case That's like that. That's normally what happens if there's an incumbent who just wants to do like a Rose Garden campaign and ignore yeah. this. But in this case, it, it's um, it, there's, there's, a, not... there's a deadlock race. Yeah. yeah. And so, so Hobbs is making a bet that. It would it would be worse for her to do the debate. You know, Katie, Carrie Lake is a, a two decade I think newscaster, very polished, um, knows how to work the camera, uh, exudes you know a, a confidence. And Katie Hobbs, you know, like her don't like her, um, she's not as polished a performer. I don't I don't think she's a disaster, but just kind of yeah, you know, she she seems like a normal person. Doesn't yeah. seem like someone with star power. Uh, and that might be a bad contrast for her on a debate stage. Uh, and she might say, you know what? I, I don't think there's an upside for me here. Yeah, I might take some lumps for not doing the debate, but it'd be worse to it'd be worse to do it. 
And I mean, I, I can't totally read her mind here, but I'm sure on some level, the team's like, you know what? People don't really care. The, the average person is not like, oh, I can't wait for the debate. I can't wait to clear my Thursday night schedule and watch a 60-minute, 90-minute debate. That's how I want to enjoy my free time. Uh, so uh, it may well be that the average voter doesn't care, won't penalize her for it, uh, and she's making the smart choice. Now, we can't adjudicate that yet. You know, you could say, well, you know, Katie Hobbs was leading by more like four or five before, you know, in August she was ahead and then there was all this debate controversy and now it's a deadlock. So maybe she took a four or five point hit because of it. Uh, or you could say, well, you know what? These things tighten anyway. Yeah. It's uh, actually going to be impossible is- to definitively say because even if Katie Hobbs loses and even if, you know, the timeline se- seems to suggest that, that uh, this slide began when she refused to debate we still have no way of knowing what would have happened <laughs> and it could have been worse we'll never we'll never it know but if she loses if she loses a lot of people will will go from point a to point b and say hey yeah she she made this bet and she was the wrong bet she she needed something but it you, always you, you, could have been worse well she could have been well, humiliated sure. on the debate I, stage and i do think that there's something liberating about Everything you said about Carrie Lake is true. I mean, former TV anchor, uh, or not anchor, but reporter, uh, very familiar with TV, all that. Um, But I think there's something liberating about not being attached to the facts that, um, you know, there's like the zealotry of the convert and uh, uh, the worst are full of passionate intensity and the best lack all, whatever the quote is, the Yates quote. I mean. Carrie Lake has this superpower of like, she doesn't care that much if she's technically right about anything. Um, And it's freeing. I'll just put it to you this way, Bill. The more I've learned about policy and public policy or whatever, the worse I've become on TV. Like I was better (laughs) on TV 10 years ago when I knew less. And I'm not even joking. It's true. The more, like knowing more stuff, does not help you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I agree. I, I agree completely because the, the, you, only, you only get 60, 90 seconds. Yes. You don't have the time to, to go into all the policy specifics. Yeah. So you have to find a way to look like you know what you're talking about without without actually laying out all your knowledge. And it's it's a very tricky line to walk. And look, I, I think a lot of campaigns. Look at debates as time sucks, huge amount of time you got to set aside and prepare for it, uh, and very rarely does it even move the needle. So if I don't, if, so if you don't have to do it, you probably won't do it. Uh, and so if Katie Hobbs can, if she can win without doing it, that be, gives permission to future can- candidates to say, you know what, you don't need to do it. Yeah. Uh, now. Now, it doesn't mean that no one will do it. Like, like We had this Ohio debate, Ohio, yeah. Ohio Senate debate um, a couple of days ago, uh, Tim Ryan versus J.D. Vance. Uh, probably, probably the most fireworks we've seen in a debate so far. Uh, and I don't know how much of it that you saw. I saw about half of it. I couldn't see the whole thing. Uh, I was watching. I was kind of like, you know, uh, I was like, you know, Vance isn't doing too bad here. You know, Ryan's got his shots. Vance had takes his shots. Another one's really getting flustered here. Um, 
know, there was one point where Vance was uh, calling out Ryan for ignoring the nuance of, Va- of Vance's position uh, and uh, trying to expose him as someone who's refusing to, you know, accept facts. And Ryan's like, didn't care. And was like stuck to his talking points. Uh, so if you're watching it, you know, Ryan looks like the jerk uh, who's not um, taking the can, the can's word at face value. Uh, but Ryan probably had the best line of the night, which was Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser, referring to Trump's comment at, at a recent rally where he says, J.D. Vance kisses my ass for my support. Um, uh, you know, that clip gets recycled. That clip, you know, gets on social media. You can use that clip in ads. Uh, so there's a lot more discussion about that than this other part of the debate where Vance was calling Ryan out for not accepting the nuances of his position. Um, so, you know, debates are an opportunity for viral moments. So if you think you're good at that, uh, then maybe you want to have the debate. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, I, felt, um, I just saw the clips. The clips I saw look really good for Tim Ryan. And then I was surprised to see people like Jim Swift at the Bulwark, who you would think would be predisposed to to liking, uh, you know, to, to at least not liking J.D. Vance, um, sort of scored the debate as as like, you know, a slight Murphy victory, but kind of a missed opportunity. But I think I think slight, what really slight, matters, slight, slight, Vance, slight Vance victory or slight Ryan victory. I'm sorry, Ryan. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I think that the clips matter a lot and maybe more than the actual totality of the debate. But I mean, one, I agree with that. Uh, two, I think if you want to get those kind of clips, you have incentive to do the debate. But if, but three, if debates are seen by the public, as you know, meme generators, and not substantive exchanges of ideas, I think it diminishes their um, necessity. Yeah, I don't think it would feel to the average voter that if you don't do this, there's something wrong with you as a candidate, um, and therefore I'm gonna I'm gonna penalize you if you don't do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hobbs is making that bet that people don't look at the debates that way anymore, and therefore she can take this, this risk. I will say this. Of all the people running for the Senate right now, I feel like Tim Ryan, per, like this is not his ideology per se, but just his personality seems like the the most, the person that I like the best of all of them. Seems like the mm-hmm. best regular guy. And I have to say, I think just on stage, he looks and sounds more like someone from Ohio than J.D. Vance. And, norm- and, and normally it's the Republican, by and large, it is the Republican that has that, that advantage, I would say. Generally speaking, not always true. I mean, the Democrats have a strategist out there that calls himself Mudcat. So, I mean, you know, there are exceptions <laughs> to the rule. And Sherrod Brown, I think, in Ohio is, is someone who very much fits the state. Um, and, and, and in Montana, you know, there are, there are exceptions. But by and large, I think stereotypically Republicans generally have more of the regular guy vibe. But, but I think uh, in Ohio, 
for some reason it's it's not the not that way so do you think there is any race where a democrat is going to pull off an upset in in the senate field uh so, give me some options here throw me some so so i mean i think, I think our options for upsets so this is I mean, I was Wisconsin, right? Where, Mandela Barnes. Right. So I, Wisconsin's point you would say would be an upset. Uh, North Carolina, Ohio, Utah, um, Iowa. So Utah would would be not a Democrat per se, but not not per se. It's, it's Evan McMullen. He's running independent. Right. He claims he's not going to caucus with either party. Um, but the Democrats, the Democrats have, have cast a lot of him, and. Uh, we just had a poll that came out that had it as, um, I think it was a four-point race with registered voters and a five-point race with likelies, which puts it in like, the same ballpark as Florida, you know, Demings versus Rubio as far as the current spread is concerned. Um, and mind you that that Mike Lee in that poll, this is a Deseret News poll, he was only at 41%, so a lot of undecideds there, and uh, I think the undecideds were skewing. I mean, I think um, I think the one to watch is Ohio, Bill, and and I know that um, everybody thinks Ohio is now a red state, including Democrats who apparently are not actually giving enough money or that much money to the race. Have you heard about this? Uh, yeah, so uh-huh. Ryan is not getting the money that he. But I still. Well, I mean, I, well, I mean, I, I think he has a fair amount of money. I mean, he's got he's he's done a very good job of fundraising himself. You're not seeing the. Um, I don't know if the DSCC is pouring a lot of money into the race, but of course, Ryan wants to say the national Democrats have abandoned me. I got nothing to do with them. Yeah. Well, he has said that Joe Biden shouldn't be reelected or that the Democrats should nominate someone younger. And he has, uh, criticized Nancy. Pel- In fact, didn't he run or try to run for speaker yeah. against Nancy Pelosi at some point? So, um, he has a claim to being a different kind of Democrat, even though I'm sure he votes with uh, Democrats, you know, 90 well, some percent. Well, yeah, just I like, think Vance 100 percent. Well, of course, in the just, House, like ben, just like Ben Sass, the uh, the next uh, university president, mm. voted with Donald Trump 90 some percent. That's just how it works. Mm. Um, but I thought Ryan had a really good answer to that. When he's like, well, look at what we look at what we voted for, though. This is the bipartisan mm. infrastructure. This is the chips. So I thought he had a really good response to that. And I think it was in an interview. Uh, when he when he had that response, so uh, that's my dark horse. That's the race that I'm going to watch. North and North, North, Carol- North Carolina. I feel more. Uh, for some reason, I I feel it's more likely that that Ohio that this would happen in Ohio than than in North Carolina. Okay, all right. Doing my uh, it would be, hilar- it, would be it would be it would be hilarious. It would be absolutely hilarious if Republicans win Pennsylvania. Win Nevada, and then lose a set on Ohio. Yeah, or New or North Carolina. Right. Um, um, I was gonna say we have uh, a few more shows between now and then, so things you know things may change, mileage may vary, you know. But I guess we're into the October surprise period of of the campaign. Uh, we probably should wrap up soon, but did you want to talk Kanye or Tulsi or something else? Or something else? Well, I managed to shoehorn Ben Sass in there. 
Um, oh yeah, <laughs> Kanye uh, and Tulsi, uh, and I'll let you go. Which, which of these? Which of these two conversations should we be talking about? Tulsi's no longer a Democrat, and Kanye yeah. was on Tucker. Um, made a big splash, and then apparently had some anti-Semitic tweets or something that got him kicked off, I guess, until Elon Musk officially seizes control of the means of production. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i not super, I don't think really interested about either one of them. I think someone, someone on Twitter pointed out that the, the strangely that Tulsi was ever a Democrat in the first place. You know, she... You know, she was anti-gay uh, rights initially. Her father, who um, started this whole social conservative, you know, operation. Uh, so she was always an odd duck. Uh, and when she ran for president, she got a total of 0.7% of the vote in the Democratic primary. So, you know, she's taking her marbles and going home, but there's not a lot of marbles there. All right. We had a, a hiccup with our technology, Bill. So we're, we're going to splice it together. I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but... but uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who left the Democratic Party, is now endorsed a Republican. Is it Baldock? How's that pronounced? Um, it's B O L D U C. Baldock? I never pronounce things correctly. And Matt, this is uh, in New Hampshire, U.S. Senate, right? And he says, uh, we don't agree on every issue, but I'm honored to have the support of Tulsi Gabbard, who shares my view that the status quo is broken and we need a change of direction. So uh, fresh off leaving the Democratic Party, Tulsi uh, endorsing a Republican. And look, I, I think she's um, she may have only gotten a sliver of the vote at running as a pre uh, uh, for the Democratic presidential nomination, but she is big among this. Um, podcast, YouTube community. I'm not even sure how to describe it. Uh, these are, I guess, left isolationists. I'm not, what, what, how would you say that, Bill? Yeah, I mean, I think they're sort of, you know, neo-isolationist and anti-identity um, politics. Uh, and they accuse Democrats of using identity politics to cover up their true conservatism on foreign policy and, and uh, other matters. Um, well, we have talked a long time, uh, so I guess we should probably call it a day and, um, before technology gives us any more trouble, but anything, Bill, that you want to promote? <laughs> well, I had, I had a big piece in the Washington Monthly about the Herschel Walker case and how it, um, you know, a lot of folks are talking about how, uh, this shows that Republicans don't really believe what they say about, uh, abortion. And you know, my attitude is, you know, you you know that a politi politician is going to be okay with hypocrites because they want to win elections. Like that's that's not strange. The anti-abortion groups who are sticking by Walker, I think they are risking any sense of moral authority, which they need. To, they're 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 in the business of making moral arguments, and if they're making excuses for Walker, they're going to they they need to. Uh, persuade they they are behind on public opinion they want to they want to win state battles on abortion legislation they need credibility and they're sacrificing their credibility here uh check out my podcast where um i've had some interesting discussions including i just, I just interviewed the daughter of stephen covey uh bill did you ever read any of those like the seven habits of highly effective people any of those books no no they're not good. my thing 
Well, you know, I mean, I think that some of these self-help books and leadership books are, are cliche, full of cliche. This one actually, really, I think, especially if you're a young person, uh, was very helpful. And she has a new book out that is, uh, it's about finish, you know, how, believing that your best work is always ahead of you. Um, and so check that out, Matt Lewis and the News, uh, Cynthia Covey-Haller, Haller, something like that. Um, and also check out my piece at the, my latest at the Daily Beast, where I kind of looked like, if you look back 10 years, 10 years ago, if you looked and said like, this is the Republican Party, and I go through Trump, Dr. Oz, Herschel Walker, and yes, Kanye West, uh, you would be surprised <laughs> that this is where we mm -hmm. ended up. But indeed, this is where we are. <laughs> All right, Bill. Always a pleasure, man. Same here. Talk to you next week. I'll see you back here next week in the DMZ.